Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'd love for you, right at the very outset of the service, how about you have a look at someone next to you and just say, it's in your head. It's in your head. Who felt like that was a bit of an accusation? Someone turned to you and went, it's in your head. (laughs) I don't know about you. I actually love this time of year. We're moving from summer to winter. It's a little bit cooler. I'm really enjoying it. For For all those summer people out there, you've had your time. Reminisce about the past. It's gone. Move on. What I do know is that whether you like winter or summer, it's in your head. Last night, Kathy and I were invited around to some friends for dinner, and we had shepherd's pie. There's a good, stable winter dish right there. And as we got to their house, they looked at us and they said, oh, look, it's winter now, and we just want some comfort food. Now, we're not at winter yet. Like, I just want to point that out. But the fact that they were already thinking about it means that it's already in their head. I know that at the end of this month, the fire ban season lifts, which means that my backyard with the fire pit is going to be kicking off again at the start of next month. I love just being able to stare into a fire. And you know why? Because it's in my head. I love to be able to do that. Amongst all the changes that Pastor Tony was just talking about, one of the things that we missed was just just sneak in the end of daylight savings right at Easter, which means it's darker a little bit earlier. And I like that. It's in my head. But can I let you in on a little secret? I didn't always like it. See, back when I was about 10 years of age, I was living on a farm. I was going to say in Pinaroo. Pinaroo was the closest town, but it was still 20 kilometers away. We lived, the nearest bitumen road was six kilometers away from our farmhouse. And I had this fear of the dark. In fact, it wasn't even just a fear of the dark. It was actually very, very specific, this fear that I had. You see, growing up on the farm, it wasn't just like we had mains water to the house. We actually had a bore, and we needed to pump water from the bore into a tank, and so we could then use the water out of the tank. And one of the things that we needed to do was obviously we needed to switch the pump on so that water got to the tank so that we could have water in the house. And it would usually take a few hours to fill the tank. And so usually at about 9 o'clock at night, one of my parents would come to me and say, oh, look, Ash, can you just go and turn the pump off? Sure. The pump, the switch for the pump was about 50 metres from our house. 
And at nine o'clock at night, as a 10-year-old boy, I had this completely irrational, completely illogical fear, not of the dark per se, but in the dark, on one of the roofs of the other sheds, there was a sniper. (laughs) You are laughing at my pain right now. Again, can I remind you, six kilometres from the nearest bitumen road, in the middle of nowhere, a 10-year-old boy in the dark was worried about a sniper (laughs) on the roof of the shed just over there. And so quite literally, I remember it vividly that I'd get to the edge of the house and I'd peer around the corner. At nine o'clock at night in the dark, I had no idea what I thought I was going to see. But literally, I would peer around the corner of the house and then I would sprint. Now, you probably find that difficult to imagine right now. A world-class sprinter can sprint 100 kilometres in under 10 seconds. 100 metres, sorry. 100 kilometres, they'd be doing well then, wouldn't they? They can do 100 metres. So even if you allow a couple of seconds when you got there to turn the pump off, that means that I'm exposed. Now, I'm no world-class sprinter, not then, not now. And yet I knew so that there was this window of maybe 30 seconds where I was out in the open. There was this window of 30 seconds where I was exposed. There was this window of 30 seconds where that sniper could take their shot and take me out. You're looking at me like you don't believe me. I promise you it's true. Completely illogical. Completely irrational. It was all in my head. And yet it had such a profound impact on the way that I was living my life at that time. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In that moment on the farm, did I have a spirit of fear? Yes! Did I feel like I had any power? No. Was I in a sound mind? Clearly not. And it certainly wasn't from God. See, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but I had one. And it was messing with my head. However, what I found was that when I went, hang on a sec, this is all in my head, all of a sudden it became empowering. Because if I recognize I've got a problem in my head, then I know that I can actually do something about it. You see, knowing that I had a problem in my head, knowing that I was thinking the wrong way, meant that I could stop myself. And I could force myself, and it was a force, to think differently about the situation. 
What was the probability that there was actually a sniper on the roof of the shed? Zero. And so that meant that I could force myself to walk slower. Now, I've got to be honest with you. It doesn't mean that I didn't stop running from time to time. And it didn't mean that I was just ambling along. It meant that I was walking quickly, and I've got to be honest, probably towards the last quarter, it was back into a sprint. But I was able to force myself to walk a little bit slower. If there was a sniper, was there anything I could do about it? No. If that sniper was any good, then it didn't really matter what I did about it anyway. The problem was in my head. And I needed to deal with my thinking because my thinking was limiting me. And that might be a crazy example. And God has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, which means that God has a solution for what is in our heads. Over the last few weeks, we've made some big announcements regarding the direction of this church. We've talked about Pastor Danny coming onto staff. We've talked about us formalizing our relationship with Life Church and us becoming a Life Church. And how you have viewed these changes largely depends on what's in your head. You see, when those announcements were made, in your head it gets filtered, it gets filtered through your upbringing. It gets filtered through your past experiences. It gets filtered through your belief structure. It gets filtered through your fears. And all of those filters are in your head. And that's why it's possible for two people to hear the same announcements, but think entirely differently about them. Because the filters that are in our head changes our responses. Many of us don't like change. When it comes to change, we have concerns around making it feel, making us feel uncomfortable. It makes us feel less stable. It makes us feel more out of control. Sometimes when it comes to change, there's a perception that everything is going to be different. Sometimes when it comes to change, there's actually a loss of face because we were saying one thing, but now we're saying something different. When it comes to change, there can be questions around our competence. Can I actually even make the shift? Can I make the change? There can be concerns around workload. Oh, there's so many things that we've got to get done. And yet all of those concerns are in your head. You see, there's a saying it's not the water outside the boat that is the problem. It's the water inside the boat that's the problem. You see, the problem actually isn't in all the change that happens out there. The problem is in the change that needs to happen in here. It's the change in our thinking, the shift in our heads is where the difficulty actually lies. You see, change isn't a bad thing. 
In fact, many of life's biggest celebrations are around points of change. Pastor Tony stood up here just a moment ago and honoured Pastor Kath and Alan and Beck because it's their birthday today. Why do we celebrate birthdays? Because the world irrevocably changed when you came into it. The world changed forever when Kath was born. The world changed forever when Alan or Beck or anyone else who's celebrating birthdays today were born. We celebrate weddings. Why? Because it's the change of relationship. We celebrate babies being born, like the two that we celebrated today, because it's the change of family status. You see, change actually forms some of the biggest celebration moments in our lives. As a church, when we moved into this building, things changed. Even seven years ago, when Kathy and I moved house, there is a definite point where we talk about our old house and our new house. Even seven years we've been in our current house, it's not new. It wasn't new when we bought it. It's less new now after having our family in it. And yet for us, it's still our new house. Why? Because there was a point of change where we went from our old to our new. It's a marker. It's a place in history that specifies a significant time in our event. We celebrate when students finish year 12. It's a point of change. We celebrate when we get the degree or get the apprenticeship. It is a point of change. We celebrate when we get the first pay slip. Woohoo! Why? Because it's a point of change. And how we deal with that change is all in our heads. Change is an inherent, natural part of life. Heraclitus of Ephesus. There you go. If you're wondering about babies' names, Heraclitus. There you go. A Greek, philosopher, a Greek philosopher around 500 BC is credited with saying the only constant in life is change. And if you fear change, you will live in fear. How do we respond to the constant change that it's, that's around us? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10. Verses 4 and 5, scriptures will be up on the screen. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets us up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do we get better at dealing with change, we use the weapons that God has given us. How do we get better at dealing with change? We use the Word of God and we use the Holy Spirit to take down strongholds. That's what the Scripture says. And yet for many of us, the biggest stronghold that we face is in our heads. It's in our minds. 
So how do we better deal with our minds? Well, I suggest that we need to think about our thinking. How do we do that? How, if that's true, Ashley, how do we think about our thinking? Well, let me suggest that the first place we need to start is that we actually need to know our thoughts. As a man, as a husband, there are times when I'm sitting on the lounge, I'm watching TV, and my wife comes up to me and says, hey, hon, what are you thinking? And in true man fashion, the answer is nothing. (laughs) Now, for all the ladies out there, just a bit of a tip. Sometimes that is actually true. Sometimes the guys are sitting on the lounge watching TV and there is nothing going on. (laughs) The lights may be on, but nobody's home. (laughs) The other thing that I also know is that there are times where it's not the conscious thought that's happening, it's the subconscious thought that's happening. Sometimes we just need a little bit of space so that our brains can sort themselves out and deal with a few things in our subconscious. What are you thinking? Nothing. It's possibly true and false at the same time. And right from the outset, can I say, know your thoughts. It's actually hard to know your thoughts. Why? Because many of our thoughts are automatic. They're just there. Sometimes you're just doing something and something, where did that come from? They're just automatic. And sometimes our thoughts come in waves at us. Have you ever seen like a flock of birds, like sparrows flying together in the air? And you watch them for a while and they come together and they separate and they shift and they move and they take a left turn. Our thoughts can be like that at times too. Our thoughts can just come from nowhere. Our thoughts can bunch together and separate. Sometimes you're watching it and it's a left turn and our thoughts can do exactly the same thing for us. And so it's not necessarily easy to know your thoughts. But just because it's difficult doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Knowing your thoughts is all about self-awareness. Can I just take you back for a moment. Can I take you to the moment where you were learning to drive a car? I don't know about you, but learning to drive a car was like information overload. I learned to drive in a manual, which means at one point, all four limbs are doing something different. The left hand's on the gear shift, the right hand is on the steering wheel, the left foot's on the clutch, the right foot's on the accelerator. And as the left foot goes down, the left hand goes in, the right hand is steering on the steering wheel, the right foot comes up, the left, right, sorry, right foot goes down, the left foot comes up. Did I, did I get it wrong? Yep. <laughs> many, many times. And you get it wrong and you're doing the bunny hop thing. And the way you fix the bunny hop thing is... Sometimes it was you throw the clutch back in again and you start the whole process again. 
Sometimes it's you put the right foot down and you power out. (laughs) And sometimes when you're on the farm and you don't leave enough room between you and what was in front of you, powering out is not the best option. Just saying. When we learnt to drive, it was information overload. When we learnt to drive, we're wondering, how does this all work? And yet for those who have been driving, let's say, five years, it's now automatic. You jump in, you start the car, grab gear, hit the indicator, go. You don't even think about it anymore. The thoughts that were so difficult to form initially have become automatic. Our thinking is the same. In my formative years, in your formative years, your experiences moulded your thinking. There are times even now, usually when I'm dealing with my children, that my dad's voice just seems to come out of my mouth. It's that automatic formative years thinking that comes out of my mouth. As a pastor, I have the great privilege of meeting with a lot of people. And as we chat about some struggles, as we chat about identity, as we chat about a range of things, I often hear the phrase, oh, but God made me this way. Can I submit to you, maybe God didn't make you that way? But maybe you've had an automatic thought for so long that you think that God put it there. See, I think sometimes we blame God for things that aren't God's fault. God made me this way. No, he didn't. That's actually an experience that you had in your formative years that's formed an automatic thought. Which means if we can capture that automatic thought, if we can know it, if we can capture it, we can do something about it. If you're wondering about how you capture your thoughts, I'm going to suggest have a look to your feelings. You see, I know in my life, my feelings often follow my thinking. You see, I may feel anxious, but the cause of me feeling anxious is having anxious thoughts. And so if I'm feeling anxious, you know what? It may be because my thinking isn't right. Or maybe I'm feeling angry. Why am I feeling angry? Ah, because I'm thinking about injustice. And thinking about injustice is causing a feeling to come out. And so sometimes our feelings can point to our thought patterns. Philippians 4 verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Great scripture. I love this scripture. I know this scripture. The problem is is that my thoughts don't always follow this scripture. You see, when my thoughts are whatever is rumored, whatever might happen, 
whatever is frustrating, whatever is wrong, whatever is triggering you right now, think about those things. And our brain plays a trick on us. Just because we know it, we think we are doing it. But if what we're actually doing doesn't line up, we end up in a worse space than where we actually thought we were. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. 100% true in the spiritual. When I come to Jesus, he accepts me as I am. He saves me from myself. But as I come to Jesus, I still come with my old thinking. I am a new creation. But my thoughts aren't necessarily new. And that's why we need to know what our thoughts are so that we can deal with them. Once we know what our thoughts are, what should we do next? We should submit our thoughts. You see, we all have thoughts. But just because you have a thought doesn't make it right. It just means you had a thought. Have you considered that not all thoughts are yours? Many, perhaps even most thoughts are yours. What should I wear? Do I want to get to church a little bit earlier so I can have a coffee? Yes. Do I really need to buy that item? Many thoughts are ours, but not all of them. Because sometimes there is the God thoughts that come as well. And most of the times for me, I can recognize a God thought because it's usually way smarter than I am. I can recognize a God thought usually by when it comes. My God thoughts will often come when I'm in the shower. My God thoughts will often come when I have that fire going right in front of me. And so there are times where God injects a thought into my head. But likewise, there's also times where the enemy injects a thought into my life as well. For me personally, it usually is identified because it's an attack on my identity, usually. The enemy's thoughts will come in and they'll be wicked. They'll be constricting. They'll want me to look small. They'll be devaluing. But how do you know which thoughts are which? You submit them. The scripture in 2 Corinthians 10 says, regardless of the source, take your thoughts and make it obedient to Christ. That word make is a verb. For all the non-English people, a verb is a doing word. A verb is an action. It implies effort. It implies a process that needs to happen. You make a cake. You get all of the ingredients together. You put them in one bowl. You whip it around. And then you put it in a hot oven. There's a process involved. You make a home. You might buy a house, but you make 
a home. It's a process. You get the right furniture. You get the right fittings. You get the right decor. You make a home. Sometimes it's a battle. I make my children clean their room. It's a battle. But as is making peace. Going to someone, going, hey, I got that wrong. I'm really sorry. It's a process. It's deliberate. It's a, it's a conscious choice. It is not passive in any way, shape, or form. Who do you submit your thoughts to? Hey, it's not a trick question. We make them obedient to Christ. So we submit our thoughts to God. John 16, 12, 13 says, I have much more to say, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Please thank Maddie for joining me on stage. For the sake of illustration, Maddie is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and take us by the hand and guide us into all truth. And as nice as this is, as idyllic as this may seem, even in this moment, my brain is working against me. You see, while I'm here and I'm looking towards the Holy Spirit, whilst I'm here and I'm engaged with the Holy Spirit, I'm okay. But as soon as I start to look around, I start to realize where the Holy Spirit has led me. And the Holy Spirit has led me somewhere new. And our brains don't like new. Our brains like consistent. Our brains like normal. And so all of a sudden, I'm somewhere new and I start to doubt, am I even with the Holy Spirit? Thank you, Maddie. The same thing... The same thing actually occurred to Peter when he was walking on water. We know the story. When he got out of the boat, when he was looking at Jesus, he was fine. But the scriptures then say that he looked around. He saw the waves. His mind started to work against the very thing that he wanted. And he started to sink. So we need to submit to the Holy Spirit. And if we heard the Holy Spirit clearly, and if we kept our eyes only on the Holy Spirit, and if we didn't doubt, that would be enough. The problem is, is that we don't always do those things. And so therefore the Holy Spirit can't always get our attention all the time. And so therefore, only submitting to the Holy Spirit can be a problem because we miss things. And that's why I would say that we also need to submit to godly leadership. See, this isn't a matter of control or manipulation. We are all free to make our own choices. But we all do have blind spots. And sometimes when we 
hear something from God, we actually need a little bit of courage to be able to walk it out. And so going to godly leadership is going to help. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Can I encourage you today, church, whatever thoughts you have, whatever fears or concerns you have, submit them. Make them obedient to Christ and submit them to godly leadership. The final thing, once we know our thoughts, once we've submitted our thoughts, now it's time to act on our thoughts. And this is both the easiest and the hardest thing to do. It's easy because we always act our thoughts. Whatever you're thinking forms part of your actions. The question is whether that's good or not, whether that's helpful or not, whether that's right or not. So we always act our thoughts, but we should be acting on our submitted thoughts. And that's where the hard bit comes in. See, I love four-wheel driving. I enjoy four-wheel driving in sand, probably because where I grew up, it was all sand. When a car goes through the sand, when a four-wheel drive goes through the sand, it leaves wheel tracks, and they're there for you to follow. But if you travel the same wheel tracks long enough, they no longer become tracks, they become ruts. And you're no longer able to follow, you're actually stuck in that space. There are times where you need to try to get out of the ruts. And often when you're four-wheel driving, you'll get out for a short time only to fall back in again. And if you have had the same thoughts for years, if you have had the same thoughts for decades, they may have formed ruts in your thinking. And so to act on your submitted thoughts, we need to get out of those ruts. And getting out of those ruts is hard. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we renew our mind, the ruts get removed. As we renew our minds, we are transformed. As we are transformed, we become clearer around what God's will is. As I said before, it's not easy, but just because it's hard doesn't make it wrong. Two weeks ago, when we were talking about becoming a life church... What I loved was hearing Pastor Paul in his video. And he left us with one question. Is God in this? Because it, it says, hang on a sec, it's a submitted thought. All of a sudden, it's not, what do I like? What's my preference? It's a submitted thought. Is God in this? 
And if God is in this, then there's an action that we then need to work out. Let's not look to easy or hard. Let's look to, is God in it? Because if God is in it, he will empower us to go through it. As we bring this to a close, as the band comes, practically speaking, let's get real practical for a moment. Practically speaking, what can we do to better cope with the change and the thoughts that we have? Firstly, know that you are not a slave to your thinking. You actually have more control than you realize. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in and listen to what He says. Secondly, slow your roll. Don't get overwhelmed by all the thoughts. Don't get overwhelmed by that wave or those flock of birds going all over the place. Slow your roll. Pick one thing. Get victory over it. Pick another thing. Get victory over it. Pick another thing. Get victory over it. And you will take the hill one step at a time. Thirdly, don't try to stop your thinking. Oh, I must think about not doing that. Oh, but now I'm thinking about not doing that. And I said I wouldn't think about not doing that, but now I'm thinking about not doing that. And now that I'm thinking about not doing that, what do I want to do? That. Don't try and stop your thinking. Exchange your thoughts. If you don't like change, if you're negative towards change, don't try to stop being negative. Try to be neutral. Try to be open. Because then when you get to that space, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm open to change. I'm neutral towards change. Then we can start looking about being positive towards change. Don't try and stop. Exchange. Expect to fail. If your thinking has been there for decades and you're in a rut and you're trying to get out of a rut, expect that you're going to fall back in. What do you do when you fall back in? Oh, I tried that. It doesn't work. No, try again. Expect to fail because it will be a little by little, slowly but surely, our thinking will change. Focus on the positives. Appreciate the benefits of change. Empower yourself. Remember that you've, you've navigated change in the past. You can navigate change again into the future. And remember that we're all in this together. Support each other. Rely on each other. Help each other as we all make this shift together. Finally, and in conclusion, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
can I encourage you as you think about your thinking, keep the main thing, the main thing. We're being inwardly renewed day by day. God is for us. These are light and momentary troubles. Or as the message version would put it, they're the small potatoes. Let's not make more of it than what it needs to be. And finally, remember, everything that we're doing has an eternal significance. It's not about us. It's about those that are coming into eternity. Let me pray for us today. Father, we thank you that you are in control over everything. All of our fears, all of our doubts, all of our insecurities, Father, you are in control. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that as we think about our thinking, as we try and work out the things that are in our head, Holy Spirit, come and help us. Come and be with us. Help us to always remember that it's not about us, it's about Jesus and what's best for the bride, the church. Holy Spirit, come and be with us this week as we think about our thinking. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 